Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Tim Holloway. I am glad to be back at you again. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Uh, This is a podcast uh, for Christian men inside of recovery to live an awesome spirit-filled life. And so that if that is you, then welcome, welcome, welcome. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to check out the link that is in the description. Uh, that will take you to the information about our GCR groups, and this will get connected with a, uh, with a group of men who are walking the same path and who are on the same journey that you are. All right, so we're going to dive back into our, our um, ideas of leadership. And the most important thing that I can say about leadership is, of course, to lead yourself first. But then the second is this idea of servant leadership, which we touched on a little bit in the last podcast. If you haven't um, listened to that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But servant style leadership is what we're talking about. Uh, Jesus came and he modeled it. He modeled two styles of leadership. Uh, One was mentor leadership and one was servant leadership. And it's important for us to have the right style of leadership. The reality is, is that we are all uh, called to lead in some way or fashion, whether that's just to lead ourselves, um, could be leading our, 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 our family, uh, children, uh, uh, employees, uh, different things. But we are, we are called to lead and we're leading whether we like it or not. And so we are called to live the example of Jesus and the servant style of leadership that he had. So he said this, he said that um, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And his servants should take on the same like-mindedness. And that is that we we come to a situation or we come to our marriage and say, you know what, I'm not coming to be served, but I'm coming to serve. And I want you to just think about that for a minute, just inside of your marriage or inside of, uh, if you're not married, you're single. Um, if you have relationships, what would happen if you begin to show up with the idea of not to be served, but to serve? things would begin to radically change, right? A lot of times we come to these different relationships and we are demanding to be served. And I could tell uh, that this mentality is rampant because we have a lot of men out there complaining about their wives and complaining about different relationships and how their needs are not met and they're not uh, being fulfilled and all of these different things. But if we, we, if we come with the mindset that I am uh, at your service, that I'm here to serve, then things are going to begin to change. And the way this plays out is to begin to find out what your wife is passionate about, what uh, what they're concerned with, what their cares are, and then to become a servant to that. That means you are help, you are there to help them achieve their dreams and achieve the vision that they have for their life. See, that is much different than coming into a relationship saying, these are my needs and um, I want you to serve them. You see the the difference in the mentality. What would begin to happen if we would show up inside of our other relationships as a servant that we would have at your service um, uh, mentality? Things would begin to change. You see, for any relationship to grow and expand and become you know, great, um, there is a mutual deposits. 
and that is that each person is given what they have to please the other, and each person is making deposits inside of the other person. And when that begins to take place, then the emotional bank account is really high. And uh, if you make a withdrawal, you make a mistake, or you do uh, certain things such as irritate each other, it's not going to affect the relationship because the investment is so high. Now, relationships fall apart because of this give-and-take scenario that one is giving uh, way too much and the other is just taking. And all of a sudden, the uh, the emotional bank account gets empty, and that ends, of course, inside of the uh, divorce court, right? We all know how that ends. And so we got to understand that the the taking on the form of a servant is recognizing the needs of other people. And the first um, thing about leadership is seeing the needs of people and saying, I'm going to be the person that serves. You see, it's easy for a servant leader to have um, um, connection with people and to lead people and stuff like that when they have high self-worth. And even the idea of servant leadership itself, it does require a person to have high self-worth. Because it's the humbling role. You're taking on the role of a servant. You're meeting the needs of other people. And if you are seeking fortune, fame, if you are seeking uh, validation, um, you're seeking all these other things, you're not going to find much of that inside of servant leadership. And so it takes a person who is humble It takes a person that has their self-worth intact. It takes a person who knows who they are. You see, one of the two main problems inside of leadership is identity and self-worth, those two things. And that is every, um, everything in leadership that is deficient, it'll come down to these two areas of our lives and usually the life of the leader. Have identified who I am? Do I Am I established in my identity? And do I know my worth and my value? You see, if you're in any sales department or any sort of marketing, you first have to, have to establish who you are. And that's one thing that, uh, that I have done very well as far as uh, podcasting and branding and reaching out to other men that it took me a while to find out who I was. And sometimes in the process, you know, I lost sight of who I was and I began to shift into other areas. But the but the key thing of any form of leadership is who are you? Who are you? And that you thoroughly establish yourself in your identity of who you are. For me, it's easy. I am, uh, uh, I am what God says I am. I believe that uh, the identity statements in the Bible are for me. That I am the the light of the world, and that I am His child, and that I'm a son of God, and that I, I am an overcomer, and I am a royal priesthood, and and all of these things. That I believe that is who I am. That is my identity. But every leadership failure comes. From not knowing who you are. You're not established in your identity. And we're trying to lead other people to to discover who they are and what they have in Christ when we don't know 
who we are or we're not thoroughly established in that. And that leads us to a lot of uh, frustration and failure. Knowing our value, and, and value is the overall estimation of our worth. To say, you know what, I, I know who I am. I know my talents and, and my abilities. I know the estimation of myself, and it's based upon fact and reality. I know what I have to give. So I know who I am, and I know what I have to give. I know my offer. Uh, if you're in any form of marketing, you have to know thoroughly who you are as a company, and you have to know your offer. And is and then attached with that is the value and the estimation of that offer. And all of these things must be thoroughly established. You see, knowing who we are, and I say in Christ, and knowing our worth, that is our self-worth because of Christ, it equals power. But if I don't know who I am and I don't know what I'm worth, and I don't know the value and what I have to offer, it equals weakness. It, it equals the opposite. And so we got to understand that we must thoroughly pursue, pursue and uh, be open to let God tell us who we are and what we're worth. And that is the, the, the crux of leadership. You see, if we don't know who we are, we're going to go about um, trying to establish who we are. And we're not going to walk in any form of confidence. You see, to, this style of servant leadership and confidence means that we're able to give credit to other people. You see, but a person that that has low, uh, doesn't know their identity and has low self-worth, they're not going to give the credit to other people. They are going to try to get all the glory and all the credit to themselves. And the reason why is because they're insecure and they don't know who they are and they don't know their value and their worth. It's easy to spot. You see, the idea of servant leadership is this, is that I'm going to build people first and foremost, and that I thoroughly understand that my mission is to build people. I want you to understand this, that people are not a commodity. People are the purpose. And nothing that you do in business, nothing that you do in leadership matters without people. And so people are not a pawn to be used to uh, win the game. People are not a commodity to um, be used to achieve results. People are the mission. People are the mission. And we get this mixed up in leadership sometimes. We, we begin to start um, building programs, not understanding that the main thing that we should be about is building people. We start building profits, which there's nothing wrong with programs or profits. It's only when it becomes our focus and we shift our focus off building people. And what a lot of people do is they start building buildings. And, you know, the, the crux or the um, how you, you know you arrived in business is that, you, what, you start getting a building, you start getting employees, you start getting programs and systems, and you start building profits, right? And then somewhere along the way, we forget that it was all about building people to begin with. 
And so we failed to build a company culture. We failed to build our employees. We failed to build, build people in general and the overall morale in the company and the business and everything goes downhill. So in all of this, it's not wrong to build buildings. It's not wrong to build programs. It's not wrong to build profits. But it's all about building people. People are the purpose. I want you to think about this. From If there are no people, what good is anything? What good is me speaking this podcast if it's not for people? What is good is, uh, is building anybody up and encouraging, supporting any program that we have, anything that we have um, going on inside of our, our ministry. What good is it if it doesn't build people? You see, what a lot of people do is, is they, they begin to start leadership and they begin to, um, their identity is wrapped up in their building. Their identity is wrapped up in their profits and their identity is wrapped up inside of their programs. And what this looks like is that if I don't have enough, uh, if I don't have a nice big building, therefore I'm not worthy. If I don't have a nice big profit, therefore I'm not worthy. If I don't have this people, many people listening to my podcast, then I'm not worthy. If I don't have this many people in my church, then somehow I am not worthy. And we begin to base our identity based upon those outward things. And, and what we need to do as leaders is say, you know what? I'm going to base my identity off being, building people. And that is, I am going to be a servant. I'm going to be uh, at your service kind of leader. And that I'm going to see the vision in other people. And I am going to begin to equip them with uh, uh, resources and tools to begin to achieve their dreams. You see, this is what true leadership is all about. But when we're insecure, the, the, the people are commodities. And the, the, they're all for our ego. For the stroking of our ego and for us to feel confident and for us to feel good about ourselves. So whatever systems we create, whatever programs, whatever thing, is it, is it going to build people up or is it going to um, tear people down? And that is the question we have to ask ourselves. And whatever mission we want to be about in the world, we have to ask ourselves, is it building people up? Or is it tearing people down? And for us to give wholeheartedly, for us to uh, feel fulfillment, for us to be satisfied on the inside, we must be given to a mission and a cause that is greater than ourselves. And that cause must be a lifting of other people up and not tearing them down. And same thing must happen with inside of our marriages. Is that, am, am I going to lift my wife up or am I going to tear her down? It goes with my children. Am I going to lift my children up through being supportive, listening, and encouraging? Or I'm going to tear them down through discouragement, disappoint, uh, disappointment, and frustration. When I show up to work, if you're working a nine to five, are you going to show up and say, you know what, I'm going to build people up today? 
I'm going to begin to make deposits inside to the people that are inside my life. This is one thing that I have committed to do on a, on a daily fashion, that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make deposits inside of people. And that's why you hear this podcast every day, because of the commitment and the integrity that I have to begin to make deposits into the people that are hearing my voice. And so what would happen if we showed up inside of our business saying, you know what, I am. I, this is my purpose to come in here and to make deposits into every single relationship that I have through building up and through encouragement. You know, we, we, we have these false ideas of greatness. And we think being a leader is, is uh, uh, being in charge of a mega church or, or all of these things. Not understanding that greatness is service. Greatness is service. I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, listen, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. And so it's dropping the idea, dropping the mindset that greatness is, is, is buildings and its profits and its programs and all of these things and focus on the key thing that greatness is building people. And then, of course, that turns to building profits and building buildings and building programs and systems and all those good things. That's fine and dandy. But the key to greatness is people first. You see, when we get our motivation right, when I'm not leading because I'm insecure and I need the validation, I need the, the praise and the applause of men, when I begin to forsake that, when I begin to get my motivations right, and that is I am, I'm going to be a servant, I'm going to mentor other people, I'm going to build people up, all of a sudden flow begins to happen. And what flow is, is that you've got your, you got your intention set, you got your purpose right, you're focused on the right thing, and all of these things begin to happen as a byproduct. You see, this is what is meant by seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto us. But a lot of times we're looking to these other things and we're pursuing them all. We're pursuing the profits. We're pursuing, you know, the buildings and the programs and, and, and the validation and all of these things and the people following us. And we're pursuing all of these things and we're grasping at the wind. And it's frustrating and disappointing and it never happens and it none, never comes together because we're not in flow. You see, when we, once we get an alignment to the to the purposes of God in, and begin to align ourselves with him and what he's doing in our life, and this has to do with leadership and integrity and all of these things, uh, what begins to happen is flow because we are on the right track. We're no longer grasping at the wind. Our focus is, is no longer on the other things. You see, when people get put on the back burner, things fall apart. It doesn't matter what uh, area of your life, if it's your marriage, if your wife gets put on the back burner, your marriage is going to fall apart. If your kids get put on the back burner, then your kids are going to fall apart. If your business and your spirituality gets put on the back burner, your relationship with God begins to disintegrate and it becomes nothing. And your business becomes nothing. And so all of these things must become on the front burner. 
and that is that they must be uh, uh, on our hearts and on our minds and, and in our mindset. But most of all is the idea of serving people, because if people are put on the back burner, everything will fall apart. Everything will fall apart. You see, we have a lot of leaders out there trying to discover themselves, trying to discover their voice, discover their uh, audience, discover their tribe, discover all these things in their, in this quest to, to find themselves. Well, I'm here to tell you as leaders, we're supposed to lose ourselves, and that is to lose ourselves in the service of others. That you're on a quest to find yourself when, when Jesus says you should be on a quest to lose yourself. And that is begin to set your selfish ambitions aside and begin to look at other people and say, how am I going to be a service to other people? How am I going to be a service? You see, there are many detrimental uh, pitfalls that we can fall in, in in leadership. But the first and number one one is a lead with fear. Are we going to lead with fear? And we can lead our, our wives with fear. We can lead our children with fear. Uh, fear-based punishment, fear-based motivation, ideas of scarcity. Uh, in the workplace, we can, we can lead with uh, scarcity and fear-based motivations with our employees. And that uh, the, the possibility of losing your job and hanging people's jobs over their heads and, and stuff like that. It all comes from fear-based motivations. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, am I going to be the kind of leader that leads with fear? And if I am, then I must use fear tactics and I must use intimidation and force to achieve what I want. And this way is not going to get us the results that we are truly looking for. You see, I've been in environments where fear-based motivation was used, and there was this idea of scarcity, and my job was constantly hung over my head. And it didn't, it didn't produce any motivation inside of me to achieve. And yet we try to take these tactics inside of a marriage, inside of a business, inside of uh, raising our children, and think that it's going to be successful, and it's just not going to do it. I once worked for an awesome uh, construction company for, um, who knows, eight years maybe. And uh, we built a lot of homes. And they had this awesome company culture that was just amazing. It was amazing. Uh, they spent a lot of time investing in people and uh, just really uh, built people up, had barbecues, had incentive programs, had, had relational training seminars. I mean, if if... If you looked at their company, you would say um, that they cared about their people. And I loved, uh, I loved working for them. One of the systems that they used uh, was a, a bonus program. And the bonus went from the least employee all the way to the top. And this bonus program was based upon your results. So if you produce results, you got more money. They started your base payout at like fifty-two thousand a year, and then you can pull in, you know, twenty to twenty-five thousand more, uh, based upon your performance. And I got in that environment, and I thrived because it was a positive incentive-based motivation. The harder I worked, the more I got paid, 
And the more motivation I had and the more I worked and the more I got paid. And so it's this, it's this different mindset. We think that the punishment model should work. And that is, it's kind of like this company saying, okay, we're going to give you um, $40,000 a year. That's it. And, um, and you come into the environment and, and if you don't produce results, we are going to cut a dollar an hour. And so it's this fear-based motivation. Instead of um, the promise of reward, we have the promise of scarcity. And I've been in both environments and I can tell you which one works. And it is the positive motivation. And so we think that leading with fear is going to get results and it's just not going to work. The second uh, detrimental thing is, is, is lead while hiding. Now hide behind a desk, hide behind a, a badge, hide behind the, the position, hide behind the authority. And uh, the leader doesn't take any responsibility or take any accountability. They hide behind the company mission, the company motto, and all of those things. The third one is insecure, that is unable to give credit. And the reason why is because they're because they don't know their self-worth and their identity, but they are hungry for validation. And that is that they don't know how to validate themselves. They've never learned the, the fine art of self-validation and coming to terms with their identity and knowing their worth. Once you begin to do that, you can give the credit to whoever because it doesn't matter because inside you know that you were a servant and that you provided for the needs of the people to get the job done. And number uh, number four of this corrupt or this uh, defective leadership uh, thing is a one-man show. And that is you're a one-man show because you don't have the ability to trust people. And you're unable to trust and you're unable to delegate. Therefore, you don't get any, any results. And one of the greatest stiflers of any sort of business is the idea that you have to be in charge of it all. And we say, you know what? Nobody's going to do it like I do it. Well, you have to be able to delegate. You have to be able to trust. You have to be able to, to train. You have to be able to overshadow and, and to begin to mold and shape people to be able to, to, to be able to do what you do. And insecure leaders don't step into that. It's a one-man show. Like, I can't trust anybody to do this. And everybody else is just, you know, piss-ons. And, and they can't do anything right. And it's like, you're the leader. You should mold them and shape them into, into doing, the, doing it the way that you want. But instead, you're being a one-man show. So the question we have to ask ourselves are these. Am I going to be the kind of man that leads with fear? Am I going to come to my family, my faith, fitness, and finance? Am I going to lead those realms of my life with fear? Am I going to be the kind of man that takes responsibility? Am I going to be the kind of leader that says I'm going to start uh, uh, validating myself eternally? That means I'm going to start patting myself on the back when I do good. And that I'm not going to seek other people to begin to pat me out on the back. In fact, we should be rewarding ourselves often. This is one thing that we fail to do. Just like I said with this company, that the, the behavior that gets rewarded gets repeated. I'll say that one more time so you grasp it. The, the behavior that gets rewarded gets repeated. 
And if we begin to reward our behavior, then that behavior will have a greater chance of continuing. And this happens in every single area of our life and every single relationship. If we validate, we support, and we encourage, the behavior gets repeated. But first thing we have to do is to notice the behavior. Sometimes we are so oblivious sometimes to to the positive things that people are doing in our life, and we don't even recognize, so we don't validate, we don't support, we don't encourage the behavior, and therefore it never gets repeated. So when it comes to our life, are we rewarding ourselves? Are we rewarding ourselves with fun? Something fun. You know, maybe it's a new pair of shoes. Maybe it's a a massage. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know what, what is considered fun for you, but go do it. When you have measured up to your expectations, say you want to, um, go for a walk or a hike three times a week and you meet your expectations, make sure you reward yourself. Make sure you pat yourself on the back. Make sure you internally validate yourself. And that is going to guarantee that this behavior will continue. And lastly, am I going to be the kind of leader that is willing to trust other people and to delegate? You see, I thoroughly believe in trust and verify. And that is that you train people, you educate You set your expectations, and then you model the behavior, and then you verify that it is being done. This is the process. You don't just trust somebody and throw it out there and delegate somebody who's not responsible or hasn't proved to be faithful and doesn't require any sort of follow-up. This process must must be taking place. So are we going to be that kind of man that leads in that way? or fashion. I'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow's brother. Peace.